Peace and welcome to Design to Thrive podcast, a space dedicated to sharing practical ways to design, deliver, and develop equitable learning environments. I'm your host, Alyssa Frazier, and each week we'll sip on some great conversation with teachers, school leaders, and community partners who are all passionate about making school a place where all kids can thrive. And today I have with us in the house, um, Amy Bedford. And before I have Amy introduce herself, I will tell you um, just a little bit about um, how we met and how we know each other um, and who I know her to be and why I thought she would be um, amazing to, to come on and talk today. Um, so I am working on my um, doctorate in curriculum and instruction at Loyola. And um, in our School of Education, we have been really blessed that we have um, folks that have been teachers, folks that have been teachers in different capacities, um, folks from all different areas, um, science, math, English reading, STEM, bilingual, ELL, blah, blah, blah. We got everybody. And so um, me and Amy, developed a relationship as a result of being part of the Loyola community. And um, really, I would say maybe the last year or so, um, we really share a passion for culturally responsive teaching. Um, Amy has a heart for, for um, looking at students' assets and really um, connecting, um, student, connecting with students, not just like you're walking through the door and I see you, but you're walking through the door and I'm going to mine for those assets. And that's been so refreshing for me to, um, to hear that, but then to also to see that, um, we got an opportunity to, um, and actually um, Amy talked to me about it, for us to work um, and do some teaching in a gifted um, capacity last, um, last summer. And, um, it's, it was really great that the kids in my class were talking with the kids in her class and they're like, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And it was, it was really fun to, um, to go from being colleagues and, and researchers and, and blah, 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 to be like on the rug. Right. And to, to just, um, just really be refreshed by, by getting to know her more. And so, um, um, Amy, I brought Amy on the show today um, to really talk about the things that she's doing in terms of um, um, cultivating the whole child, um, working with uh, redesigning instruction and looking at small group learning and really finding solutions for um, tapping into your, um, tapping into your people, tap, tapping into your, your locus, your school-based locus. Um, and she's been able to do that really well. And, um, you know, I've just, I've learned a bunch from her. So, um, Amy, I know I just said a little bit, like a little bit, probably a little bit more than a little bit, but um, it's important. It's important for folks to know um, that you're not just someone that I've brought on the show, but like you're a friend and you're a colleague and you're, you're a teacher and, um, you know, all of those things. And I'm grateful for you. So if you could... Um, say maybe a little bit more about who you are and your experiences and um, the work that you're doing um, in schools. 
Well, I just want to thank you so much. That was such a kind um, introduction. And I feel the same way about you. I've learned so much from you over the years working with you. So I really appreciate all the thoughts because I, I knew it as soon as I started working with you when you came into the program, I was like, her and I connect very much so on what we think about schools and what we think students deserve in schools. So I, I really appreciate you saying all that. Um, I feel like I've had such a interesting, you know, drive to where I am now as an educator. I started off at Stetson University in Deland, Florida, um, fresh out of high school, and I was a biology major. And in my mind, I was, you know, always adamant. I was like, I'm going to become a physician's assistant, make good money, help people. I always knew I wanted to help people. That was my like number one. But I was like, I can, you know, make good money and help people. That'll be a really great career. But then I started volunteering at a local elementary school um, that was very under-resourced. It was 90% black students. It was 99% um, free and reduced lunch. So um, students from low income households. And I just immediately started recognizing, wow, this looks so far and away from the school that I went to. Both yeah. public schools. I grew up in Wellington, Florida, which is, you know, a upper middle class, middle class um, area. And I went to public school K through 12th grade, um, but you just really saw the stark difference between well-funded public schools yes. and not well-funded public schools. And I think too, I as I like switched my major to education and realized, you know, this is really what I should be doing. Um, I just started kind of reflecting back because I went to schools that were racially diverse, but they weren't so much socioeconomically diverse. It was yes. middle class. Our family was probably considered more lower middle class, um, but for the most part, it was like upper class, middle class. So the public schools I went to served those students. And um, when I kind of saw the stark difference of the school that I was volunteering at in college, it just kind of really started helping me recognize like, wow, um, the school systems are corrupt. They're set up for certain students to be empowered while others are kind of left behind. Um, and so then I did my student teaching. I got a bachelor's in elementary education. And then I moved back home to Wellington, Florida, lived with my parents and um, started, you know, graduated in May. In August, I started teaching at a charter school called Western Academy. And this school too, um, it was a really nice split um, because our principal actually didn't have an education background. She had an MBA. So she kind of ran our school like a business and had a lot yeah. of trust in teachers to kind of do what they saw fit. You know, like you're the experts, you know what's right for your students. Um, because we were a charter school, all of the families had to drive their kids to our school. There wasn't a busing system, but we were still very much socioeconomically diverse. Um, we had students from all different neighborhoods around bringing um, families bringing their kids to our schools. Uh, racially, it was about one third Latinx, one third white, one third black. So it was sure. nice having that first teaching experience working with 
um, a lot of diversity in the classroom um, because we talked a lot about social identity. We talked, we used a lot of, I used a lot of like multicultural education, um, multicultural literature, and really because it was a charter school, we did a lot of like center-based learning. Um, what that was actually our charter model was using centers, yeah. which is just a way to have engaging instruction, student choice embedded within the program so that the students can kind of have different experiences. They thrive at certain centers, maybe other ones aren't their favorite, but it's all just a way for the students to practice um, the different skills that they were learning. Um, and listening and speaking was a part of those skills and presenting and researching. So, and this was third through fifth graders. We were getting those kids to talk with each other, have book clubs, have discussions at such a young age. So it was a really great um, experience as a first year teacher. And so I decided that first year, I knew when I was in college, I kind of, I loved teaching. I just like fell in love with education, but I always kind of looked at my professors and I thought like, I want to do that. Like, yeah, I love yeah. education. There's a lot of wheels turning. I'm recognizing there's all of these, you know, inequities in education. There's a lot of issues in education. So I want to be able to kind of build the next level. Like I always kind of had this like macro mission of I want to kind of, I love teaching the elementary kids in the classroom, but I want to teach the future teachers so that they can love teaching their students and we can kind yes. of spread that message to all of our future teachers because I think there's a lot of research behind the fact that a teacher can really make a big difference in a school. Um, there's a lot of studies that have been done about resources and all of that and some schools can have all this money thrown at them from grants and oh we gave this you know title one school everyone has ipads that's all great but if you don't have a strong teacher leading that class that's it and figuring out come on and say that amy yes yes if, yes, if yes. You have those strong teachers that know how to implement technology know yes. how to meet all their students needs know how to differentiate instruction it really is not going to make a big difference so yes. If teachers have low expectations of their students and they don't empower their students, it's, yes, me, teacher education is just so vitally important because quality teachers equal more students learning. So, so I applied to be a resource coordinator um, and got the job. So I work for a CPS school, Gale, and it, um, but I'm hired on by Loyola. So it's kind of cool because I got to kind of keep my feet in both areas. And because I also have all of these former Loyola teacher ed students and I'm very much in contact with that program, I was able to get those students to help at the current school that I'm working at. So as a resource coordinator, I run the before and after school programs. I set up a lot of community partnerships. The former resource coordinator did not have a background in education, but because I do, I also just like on top of things do professional development yes with teachers yes and with yes. Them, yes volunteers in the classroom we're going to be doing a lot of that with distance learning is getting a lot of northwestern and loyola volunteers to do like zoom small group support with students after the teachers have done their lessons and all of that okay now i have this small group that needs to work on phonics so i'm gonna pair them with a loyola teacher ed student and they're gonna work with them so Basically, it's been really nice being in this position because I've used all my experience and 
connections with Loyola to help support Gale, the school that I'm working at right now, which is, I mean, I think it's in the Howard area neighborhood. Yeah. Again, I came into the school with a very asset-based view of it. Um, yeah. Just because it's, you know, strong families that have been living in that neighborhood forever. Um, the students are all just loving any kind of opportunity that you give to engage them into what they're learning. Yeah. Um, but it's like, if you look at their Illinois report card, sure. you would look and say, oh, it's a level three school. They've had a lot of teacher turnaround, but in a lot of ways, we have a lot of staff who are still there. Like all the staff who stayed, because we had 15 new staff at the beginning of the year when I came on. Yes. Everyone is like just on board, has that positivity and is ready to do the work that we need to do to improve the school. Um, and it's, it's honestly been a joy working with students again. I yes. through COVID it's, I've missed, you know, I would have my little visitor middle school girls who'd come by my office every day and show yes. me talks that they made, and, yes. you know, um, yeah. I miss yeah. having interaction with the students. I have all of the elementary kindergarten kids would come in and scream, hi, Miss Bedford. Yes. But, you know, it's, it's you yes. miss kind of having that um, aspect of things. So it was nice working like within an elementary school again. It's been I've really enjoyed having that experience. Um, and so yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry, but that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> and you know, I think that we all come in, in we enter the space, right. um, and we eat at the different things at the table, mm -hmm. right? And so it's important for you to be able to come into a, uh, a neighborhood with a lot of black and brown kids and, and, you know, with the labels and the socio, all of that and right. all of these things and be able to be like, I miss my girls doing the TikTok. I miss mm -hmm. being able to, you know, do reading centers. I miss, I miss, um, because it really speaks to, um, who you are in your core and like, um, it, and it also for you to talk about that is because we can visualize it. Right. So, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, and, and I did a lot of soul searching when I, I, throughout this, my whole career as an educator, and I, I've known a lot too, that it's really important for me to build relationships first. Yeah. So when I started, I, I know that a lot of the students looked at me as, you know, who's this white lady walking around our school smiling and saying yeah. hi to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I just, kept doing it and after a while oh that's the after school lady oh remember she came to our school and you just kind of learn it's like this is your space this is where you've been for however many years as a student and I'm gonna be a guest until I really prove myself to you because a lot of our students um, deal with a lot of distrust around sure in the building because again they've had so much turnaround so it's like I, I not had to prove myself, but just kind of show like, hey, I'm here and I'm committed to your school and I want to get to know you. I'm going to take that time. And I think that that's really what makes the biggest difference is not me coming in as, oh, I'm the authority figure and right yeah. you need to trust me. No, you don't know me. Yes. I don't know you. I'm going to get to know you. But I really, it's a really great community to be a part of. And I feel very honored to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And you, yes. I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but yes. Um, super warm. You know, I've been up there with you. 
Um, yep, came up there, all that good stuff. Um, so I want to do a little bit of a shift. And um, I want to talk to you about, so if you are talking to our teacher candidates, yeah. right, who are majority white, female, like 80% white, female, right, and they are now um, teaching in CPS or maybe another urban school district, and they're really excited to teach, much like you, they're jumping in there. Um, what would you say to those teachers who um, are coming into these spaces in the midst of COVID? Right. Um, what is maybe something you would tell them to maybe one or two things that you would say, hey, in this space, consider this? I think a big piece of that is you need to first and foremost check in with your students socially, emotionally. There's been a lot of trauma with everything recently with COVID, with families potentially, you know, being furloughed or losing jobs or sources of income, with everything that happened with the Black Lives Matter movement and the loss of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. There's just been a lot going on. So when you come into these spaces, first and foremost, just kind of check in with them, see how they're doing. If you don't know ways to um, check in with students, if you don't know about SEL, mindfulness, do your research and make sure that you um, put that into your learning. I also do, when it comes specifically to, you know, white female students, yeah, education is largely, I think it's like 72%. Oh yes. Is our white female there's been kind of like this view of like, oh, freedom riders, that woman was such a hero or dangerous minds of this white woman coming in as like this white saviorism. Oh yeah, great white hope. Mm -hmm. Right, and we really have to get away from that um, because your students and their communities and everything about them, they have everything within them already. Yes. Who are the person who needs to tap into that potential and to empower them, but they've got everything they need, you know? Yeah. And I always, I just like, I hate those movies because particularly <laughs> freedom writers, because that woman taught in the classroom for one year. Yeah. Wrote a book about it. Yes. Around the country, doing the conference circuit of sure. look at me, I'm such an amazing person. Yes. For working for one, one year in a student with, that was largely black and latinx like yes. that's not that's not a quality teacher to me at all so i think it's you just need to reflect on that have conversations about um social identity in your classroom yes have students be able to talk about what's happening that is so important because i think that's what my education lacked growing up was you just don't talk about race like oh yes and knowing and knowing that it's cultural, sorry to jump in, but knowing that it's cultural too, because when you get to a certain uh, whatever level, at least for me, yeah. it was, you know, my, my dad was a, was a um, Republican his whole life mm -hmm. and not just a Republican his whole life. He was very much like, these are the lenses and this is the way that you act and this is the way that you don't act and these are the things that we keep hush and these are the things and so a lot of the 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 hushing yes right i learned mm -hmm. uh, about this hushing mm -hmm. and then when i um entered formal school 
I learned that that hushing was was really mimicking white middle class America. Right. Um, and exactly. so I was indoctrinated into that. And so just recognizing that it, that this is a cultural, these cultural things yeah. that you've been groomed. Exactly. I know it's almost being groomed as you hear it with abusers, but it really is. You are just taught that. I mean, very much so in our school district, even though it was diverse, we were taught, you know, racism was done after the civil rights movement. Yes. You no. Know? And I had, I always had friends of color. So like I also, I always would still hear about microaggressions and, you know, just saying, Oh, that's awful. That's racism, you know, are these little microaggressions, but I didn't understand how embedded into all systems it is within the country. In my mind, I thought, Oh, well, you know, you see all of these great, you know, as when we read that one book, The Trouble with Black Boys, where they talk <laughs> about how yeah. you only see people of color as like heroes and celebrities or criminals, yes. you know, yes. like that's kind of what we saw. We didn't really get to always experience that people from all different backgrounds sure. have all different skills. The spectrum, right. The continuum. Yeah. Exactly. And just representation, you know, we, we didn't see that a lot. Um, so I think that that is just so huge is to discuss what's going on. Talk about, even from day one, check in with SEL, but also talk about social identities. I love that we've done that a lot of times in our Loyola classes of like, we do an inventory of like, these sure. are the areas of my identity in which I am privileged. These yes. are the areas of my identity in which I am oppressed. And talk about that. Yes, um, and, let's not, and let's not compare op oppression, right? So right. your kiddo says, right. You know, hey, this horrible thing happened right. to my family or to me or someone I know. Don't say, oh, my God, I know how you feel. Right. So what's happened to me? Exactly. First of all, you don't know how I feel. No. Exactly. <laughs> Second of and all, then, yeah. listen. Right. Everyone has different backgrounds and perspectives. And intersectionality is really important to talk about within that as well. Yeah. yeah we have to stop kind of pretending where we know where everyone is coming from and <laughs> you know when you yes. really don't experience it you can read and learn it's it's been really interesting everything that's happened with black lives matter this summer because i had so many like white female friends who were like i am shocked i cannot believe this has happened and i'm sure. like what do you mean you're shocked yeah <laughs> yes. you know it's awful i mean we're all just like devastated but sure this kind of stuff has been happening forever. Yes. So yes. It's, um, it's just now, just like I think Will Smith said, it's like, it's always been happening. Now it's being filmed. So sure. highlighted a little bit more, but I think in my mind, since I kind of started going through this progression of, you know, the importance of culturally responsive pedagogy, the importance of social justice and racial justice. Yes. I kind of had this, burning in me since I was 19 years yes, old, yes. researching it and being in different spaces. And yes. I think that I just assumed everyone else within my circle was having similar situation. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. I'm not a stranger to talking about race and oppression and just yes. this is with my friends. And I think a lot of them are liberal and I think that they see that too, but I didn't realize how blind did they had been you know oh yes oh yes even their, their whole ideas of themselves no oh, yeah. yeah 
Be, yeah. beyond the what do we say the beyond the heroes and holidays right, right? yeah so uh and i think that that's important too to to know that it's okay to step back and to say hey where am i at and yeah. to not say like i've kind of arrived because i care about you right. and, and 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 i you know profess to be liberal or i or or i'm a, a graduate of loyola university um right. that that you know i got this yeah. Right. Which sets you up instead of being a person that uh, we can water and we can talk and we can dialogue. It sets you up as the expert and it closes right. you off from the communities that, um, you know, that you really should be partnering with and, right. and showing them the type of care that, mm -hmm. um, you know, that they need. And so, yeah. yeah. Like you got to, um, yeah, I love, I love that. That's so true. It's like, no matter what, I'm always going to be on this journey of listening and trying to hear what are the students' needs in these communities, especially students of color, because I've never been a student of color. That's it. And that's I, it. I'm never going to know what it's like in there. And that's why so many of my programs that I run and everything, I always just go to the student ambassadors. I'm like, what do you guys want to do? What is, you know, what are you interested in? How yes. We really kind of tap into what you are searching for or something yes. that's the goal for you because again I think that's also a part of like when it comes to white saviorism is everyone like telling you like you need to be just like this yeah I'm gonna try to help you to give you the tools so that that's you, it you can try to hide within white America yes we don't want that we want yes you to tell us what are your dreams what are your aspects? yes like how like, what is something that's important to you? My family is really important to me. Oh, great. So how can we support your family? You know, just everything that we can kind of support within the students is just something that I think we, every educator needs to always be reflecting on themselves and understanding. I'm not always going to know the, um, I'm not going to know at all the personal first yes. experience of an immigrant student. But I yes. Can whatever I can to support that student and have yes. that student and that student's family tell me what they need. Yes. And I can yes. do everything in my power to try to help them get what they need. But we all just kind of need to put our egos out the window. Like there's no experts. There's no you can't yeah. expert in everything with education because you don't know every student's you don't background in life. At You're an expert in you. You're yeah. an expert in you. Exactly. <laughs> right. So. Right. Yes. They teach you how to advocate for yourself. But yes. Yeah. Exactly. No. Yes. Um, so I want to take a, a little bit of a shift. First of all, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you bringing your perspective um, and bringing your life. And so um, because it's one thing to hear my perspective as one partner with you as one friend, as one colleague, but it's another for you to say this, these are my experiences and I own these. Right. Um, and so that's super valuable. Um, so I want to shift just a little bit. Um, I, we cannot, we cannot um, leave out this space without talking a little bit more about the work that you're doing to cultivate this small group learning in the time of COVID. Can you talk to us a little bit more about, and I know you mentioned it mm -hmm. a little bit about like students coming in and, and partnering with Loyola. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about like um, what are your goals? What are maybe one or two um, tangible things that, that you're doing 
and that maybe one thing that if someone was listening and you said, hey, this is something that you could like try next week or try tomorrow. Right. So basically once all of this was starting, um, I just started reflecting back on like, how can the teachers really engage these students during this time? And I thought about it, um, centers-based learning, again, is something that I did when I was an elementary teacher. And I spoke with my principal about it because a lot of our teachers are strong and direct instruction, but he's like the one area that I think that a lot of teachers can work on is differentiating um, and progress monitoring. And so he told me that and I just started kind of like wheels turning. I'm like, centers-based learning is a really great way to do both of those things. Because if you have your classroom and you have five activities for the week, one activity is a research activity, another activity is like a creative arts activity, another activity is math skills practice, word work, you know, you can kind of set them up because you can do centers for just a grade, you could do it for your whole class day if you are a self-contained classroom. Um, but basically what it allows, it's almost like a mini Montessori model because you have these five activities that you have to complete by Friday or you know, at least try to attempt or practice or give me a little reflection of what you've learned from that activity. But you as a student get to choose when I'm gonna be working on that. And then as a part of that, one of the activities can be working with um, a volunteer. So right now I'm working with Northwestern as well as Loyola, and we are getting college students to come and volunteer during this, like, um, they call it enrichment time, so the center time, so that the teachers can work with specific students they want to work with, but I know these students need help on their word work and phonics, so they're going to work with a college student, and it really just allows, our biggest thing with bringing in the volunteers is we want to support the students and the teachers because this time is a very much so, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. I, yes. I can imagine teaching full-time right now. I can't imagine it, so that's why I'm trying to make it a little bit easier um, on the teachers. And even like, we're gonna have the volunteers just meet the class first in general. It'll kind of even allow for like a, a career, you know, lesson, because the kids can kind of ask the, students, you know, how did you become a Northwestern student? How did you become a Loyola student? Um, and just allow for that relationship building first. And then we're hoping too, it's going to also promote attendance as a big piece because we just want the kids to be engaged in learning, look forward to school every day and get to school. You know, I know there's a lot going on and, and we didn't, we had like moderate attendance in the fall, or I mean in the spring when COVID first started, but also teachers weren't even teaching full day. I think they were teaching like three hours a day, but it was also just like an overwhelming experience. Absolutely. Sure yeah, thrown in there. Yeah, we were thrown in there. Yep. Right. Exactly. So now, because our design for this next school year is going to be three hours of synchronous learning with your teacher. We'll be teaching lessons. It's going to be, face, you know, doing the Google Meets. And then the other three hours is asynchronous synchronous and that's where centers come in and that's where volunteers come in so I have my teacher that I'm learning from but then okay I have my word work center and the volunteer is going to be you know using whiteboard and drawing out you know words and we're all going to be working on our phonics and all that I always go back to phonics but you can do all of that type of stuff 
and also within the centers the good thing about centers is you always have like a like topic question or an inquiry question to each one and at yes. the end, the kids will reflect what did i get out of this center what is something that um i have learned from this task and so it just allows for the kids to do a little bit of like metacognition like absolutely this center was really hard for me this week um i think i need to work on this skill and i really love this center this week i think that listening and speaking might be one of my favorite assets so it also just kind of allows for kids to kind of think about you know how are gardeners like multiple intelligences so or you could even talk about learning styles. Kids who are auditory learners can excel at certain centers, kids that are. And, um, and, and being able to hit multiple of them, right? right? Because it's like, we're not like, you know, like typecast. We're not like one. It's like multiple ways and mm -hmm. building off of each other and like inner an intersectionality of learning styles. Right, exactly. Because that that's like kind of the beauty of centers is that it's not built for one student. And unfortunately in the past schools are kind of just built for people who are like can listen to a lecture regurgitate out the information that whole like paulo freire banking model like oh just i will tell you what the knowledge is you need to know and you got to tell it right back to me so we're yeah. getting away from that we want to offer more critical thinking we want to give the kids opportunities and really centers too it's not like something that's going to be graded it's their time to engage and practice with what they're learning so that they really can just have a time where they're like oh this week i really one of the big centers that i'm going to be presenting at the um what's it called professional development that i'm leading next week is going to be around um current events i think right now especially being at home that's one thing that all kids have access to is the news what's been happening everyone has a lot of opinions so just allowing the kids to present a current event. You can do it in a TikTok. You can do it in a PowerPoint. Sure. A little video. You can sure. write about it. Just, just giving the kids a lot of different modes for expressing themselves. And again, that goes back to speaking, listening skills, which are so important. Um, and just being able to give the kids different opportunities to learn different tasks. So that's really kind of where I am. I think for, yeah, if you want to get started with center-based learning, I'll be happy to share once I'm done putting together my professional development, I can share that with you, Alyssa, and if people yes. would like to reach out to Alyssa, we can post that up and you can get the information that you want to there. It's really, there's a lot of, for teachers, it's a lot of planning on the front end, but then you've yes. got five, or sometimes we'll do centers that are two weeks long, to 10 days of programming and then you just check in with the kids at the end and they have this flexibility in time and i think that that's going to be really important right now during covid too because you don't know you never know if my dad has covid and yes they had a hard time so i'm so glad that i couldn't go to school for two days in a row but i was able to complete that work because i went back and did the centers before we had a turn you know it just sure allows for a little bit more flexibility or my mom is working at a certain point and I needed her help with something. So, you know, it kind of allows for kids to have that practice, but it doesn't need to be, all right, Monday, you have to do all this work and turn it in Monday afternoon. Tuesday, you have to do all this work and turn, you know, so it just gives some flexibility that way. And, and I love that because, um, I mean, part of why this show exists is that we're looking at how we design instruction and we're looking at how we rethink what the culture of 
of of learning is and like what we say is 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 valuable and so we're still practicing we're still getting feedback we're being able to just demonstrate our understanding in multiple modes and if some of those happen to be fun great right but you're still de demonstrating your understanding and um you know we're taking away these these valuable skills and connecting it to to the standards right. um and having all of those things working together and not um fighting with each other you know like you can only meet the standard if you do this and so um that's important for our our newer teachers and our older teachers as well because um you know you get used to doing things the way that you do it and so being able to say hey let's we're in a situation let's engage in different ways um yes and so i love that well i want to um i want to just tell you that there's been so much that we talked about i feel like like this is like two shows in one um in terms of just talking about the journey talking about the um the tapping into uh, the identity work um the the connecting with students um as well as the designing of our of our centers as well and so there's a lot for folks to kind of chew on and, and digest and so for folks that want to um reach out and connect with you um do they do they hit you on twitter do they just and i'll share your your email and stuff as well um how would they get a hold to you email would probably be best i made a linkedin account as well um i mean they can hit me up on Twitter. My Twitter is more personal than professional, but <laughs> I'm trying to, it, it's both, you know, it's, it's, I think now everything merges, right? Um, when we're tweeting out about things we care about in education, but then also just tweeting out, out funny situations in our life. Um, but yeah, so definitely you can find me at abedford.lec.edu um, and my LinkedIn page as well. Fantastic. Well, I am excited to, um, for the work that you're doing in schools and at, at Gale. And um, I'm excited for us to, to continue this program and tie it up. Um, but for everybody that's listening, um, hopefully you've got some, some, some nuggets, some tangible takeaways. And um, please remember that we are all in a community together. And until next time, keep shining.